Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Elizabeth Woodson, and I'm here with my co-host, Tamarcus Raglan, Adam Hawkins, and Chelsea Conway. And today we are going to talk about some things that have been happening in culture, the slap heard all around the world, Mm. what's happening with Disney, and the Brown nomination, or Judge Brown. Confirmation, nomination, all these things (laughs) today. (laughs) All right, y'all. So I did not watch the Oscars, but my friend texted me, during the Oscars and was like, Elizabeth, I just need you to Google Will and Chris. And that's it. And I saw what happened. Did anybody, any of y'all see it happen mm. in real time? I was watching. Okay. And Chelsea Kings. in real time. You did too? I did not. I didn't either. But I quickly okay. saw. So I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Uh, I, I will say I was watching with my um, two housemates and we all at first thought it was fake. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is a bit. And then he walked on stage and I was like, I don't is it a bit and then he was yelling at him um and I was like I don't I don't think this is a bit and then I went to Twitter and Twitter was <laughs> a like bit no, much this, maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so if you do not know what we are talking about um during the Oscars Will Smith um Chris Rock is making a joke about Will Smith's wife Jada Pinkett um she has alopecia um is bald and Chris Rock made a joke about it. Will Smith proceeds to walk up on stage, slap Chris Rock, step off stage, and then cuss him out from the audience. And that has been what is the topic of my Twitter feed for quite some time. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so during the break (laughs) of the Oscars, Denzel Washington goes up to, well, there's a couple people that go up to him and kind of talk to him and try to settle him down. But Denzel Washington says something really interesting. And he said to Will, at your highest moment, be careful because that's when the devil will come for you. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't know, Denzel Washington is a professing Christian um, and just talks about his faith all the time. But this statement to me is just really interesting in terms of Will being at a high point of his career. And he actually won an Oscar that night. For the first time, right? For the first time, yeah. So what do you all think about what Denzel said to Will in terms of where he was at his career and what happened in this moment? Well, first of all, I just want to say this. I think it is very Christian of Denzel to move towards a situation where he has nothing mm. to gain. Mm-hmm. He has nothing to gain. I mean, every everything in you in a moment like that would probably be like, don't look at the camera, don't say anything, don't put yourself in the middle of that. And I think there was this moment of leadership from him. I think there was a moment of being a very real Christian in that moment to try to maybe bring what was an awkward and heated moment to to try to bring it down a little bit and offer something uh, to, to Will that maybe w- would help him sort of come down off the ledge a little bit. And so I just, I do want to say that I, w- w- for whatever he said, the the other thing is the message he was trying to send Will was a Christian message. And so I think taking all that into consideration, just, I really admire Denzel Washington and admire the act of what he did because I think it was really selfless. He didn't have to put himself in the limelight like that's that. That's true. I hadn't thought about so, that. Yeah. That's my first thought. Mm. Yeah. I, I think thinking about even just his statement, um, 
it's been really interesting processing, I guess what he what he meant by that of sure, you know, the the devil coming to get at you. I think processing what um we typically think of in terms of um I guess the the interplay between God and the devil. Correct me if I'm if you guys have a different perception, but I feel like a lot of times I hear that God gets kind of the the rap for any of the bad. Like the conversations mm-hmm. I, I hear going on, if things are bad, it's like why is God allowing this to happen? And there's almost like this, like the a stripping of the devil, as if he's kind of this non-starter, like for him to be brought up. It's like yeah, but like God's ultimately in control, so like he could he could have done. Like why is God doing this? Um, and then obviously the good is like, look what I've accomplished, what I've done. It's really interesting because like scripture doesn't talk about the devil that way. Ultimately, mm-hmm. like he's not the ultimate authority, mm-hmm. but there is a, I mean, even Jesus talks about like he, there is a power in which he has um, and he is seeking after people. I just thought that it was interesting, especially in a moment like this, having a voice like Denzel, like what that arises in the culture of like, no, like you, we really do have an enemy who is seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm. Uh, the Bible says he's a roaring lion mm. looking for someone to devour. Yeah, I think that puts a lot in perspective of like what you're actually up against. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting even talking with doc- Dr. Jonathan Pennington a few weeks ago. Uh, and his he, he said, you know, this, we have banners in our churches hanging down and it, you know, it might say Jesus is love, Jesus is king, Jesus is... But he's like, there's two things that are always sort of um, ignored. One is Jesus is philosopher, but the other one is Jesus is exorcist. And so if you mm-hmm. look at his actual ministry in the New Testament, yes. mm-hmm. he is casting out demons left and right, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a very yep. real spiritual power that we're at war with. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I, that's a really good point, Marcus. I'm just, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's interesting to see Will where he's at in his career. Um, and if you listen to our final, was the final episode of 2021, we talked about our favorite things. I, t- I talked oh, about yeah. Will's book. And yes. so just to see the intentionality with which he's crafted a career, um, the choices he's made, a lot of people were kind of shocked that he would do that. And I was like, he might, you might not have thought that that was in him. <laughs> but, you know, just where he's come from and the intentional way in which he presents himself to the world. He had all this, this drama with his wife, Jada, um, and his wife, Jada, having an affair. And so all of the heat that he was receiving, and you feel like all these things are piling up. Right. And in that moment, I believe there's going to be some Oprah special, and he's going to tell us the behind the scenes of what has happened. But just the moment at which bringing it back to a Christian worldview or, or the things that we're doing as believers in the moment in which we are trying to accomplish something and we experience this massive amount of opposition, it's like what we remember about the Oscars is not that we'll won an Oscar. Mm-mm. What we remember mm-hmm. is what happened with Chris. Mm-hmm. And so thinking about how in these crucial moments of what the devil seeks to do as he attacks us as believers. Again, mm-hmm. I'm not sure about Will's spiritual situation in terms of if he's a professing believer, um, but for us as believers and the things that we're trying to accomplish that you're talking about to Marcus, that we're conscious of the ways in which the enemy seeks to attack us yes. and the strategic ways in which he does that and the strategic moment of just stripping away something that was really beautiful. Some of my friends, beautiful about the moment of Will winning the Oscar. Um, some of my friends were talking about the other people whose moments were taken away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you didn't, like Questlove made this wonderful documentary. It was awesome. We didn't hear about it. Um, Beyonce performed. Yep. Y'all know I love Beyonce. Right. Nobody was talking about it. They don't Coda. be at the Oscars these days. <laughs> right. Coda was the winner. Yeah. 
No we one love remembers that, movie, that But no one's talking about Nobody's it. talking about that. Or what do you, what, with um, the Williams sisters and yeah. Uh, Richard? Yeah. Richard himself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, that movie was about that family and their triumph. And even in his acceptance speech, he, Try, made he that tried weird, to kind of like, you know, point back. Yeah. Mr. Williams, like, was a protector of his family. It was like, oh, it was gosh. Weird. If I was him, I would have been like, don't bring my name into this. Watching, <laughs> I would watching have said, his Keep speech. Keep my name out your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> watching his speech was like watching someone process in real time. Yeah. Yeah. Just so many layers. And I think what my takeaway from it as I was watching, I was like, oh, this is this is actually happening. It was just that I can't imagine being in that scenario where you have such a platform and you know people are watching you yeah. and what you say is like gonna affect everything, his family and everything. And then how he stumbled through that. And then how he stumbled through pretty much everything since but also just like how do we as christians not watch that and have an immediate opinion because i i saw so many people just going straight to twitter and like reacting and commenting and Mm -hmm. criticizing him and i'm like well did did you read his book do you know him do you know what he's been through and do you know the things that are probably causing him internally to react the way he did and just considering that because he's also a person and yeah. Um, yeah. just not being like so reactive. Yep. I think to to all, what y'all all were alluding to of just all of the things that were missed in light of that. And I feel like that's to Denzel's point. That's that's part of the devil's work. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he, it's a it's a distraction. Yeah. Um, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but but principality. I keep going back to those biblical images. Right. And it's. Um, I remember reading screw tape letters and um there's a I forget exactly how it goes, but it's a dialogue that they're having about how um he would like stir up strife between like a I think it was like a son and a mom. And it was like these it's these little like instances of things that it don't have anything to do with these, but it's just slight enough that it like it cuts off communication. Mm-hmm. You know, there's ill intent assumed on both sides. And it doesn't take much for us to just like miss the opportunity of the good that's there. And like, I wonder if like maybe one one of the takeaways for us too um, in thinking about this is like when we see stuff like that, um, recognizing, right? Maybe not just reacting um, in our flesh, but like from yeah. a spiritual sense, to be like, man, like, what is the enemy distracting me of? Like, yeah. what what's really beautiful here that that this moment is seeking to rob? Mm-hmm. And like, what if like part of our like restorative work in the world in a moment like that is like. Hey, like what I'm what I'm a tweet and show about is like like I love the people who are posting like, hey, you probably heard about Will, but like this also happened and it was beautiful. And like this happened and mm-hmm. it was beautiful. Um and I just yeah, that feels like such a work of restoring shalom. Yeah, that's good. Well, that was a few weeks ago, uh for sure, maybe a month ago even. But what's happened more recently, uh at least as as uh it relates to the release date of this podcast, is Disney has come up in the news a lot lately. So if you've paid attention at all, there is a law in Florida um, that has be- pejoratively pejoratively be- been come to no- be known as uh, the Don't Say Gay Law. It actually, I think, is about appropriate times for sex education for children, I think. I mean, I, that would be the believing the best way to talk about it. And because it became politicized very quickly, and there needs to be debate over laws, of course, but because it became politicized very quickly, um, and Disney, is in, Disney parks are in Florida, obviously, um, and Disney uh, land, obviously, is uh, uh, in California. So you have these kind of two coasts. Um, yeah. And you have a lot of workers on two coasts, meaning employees of Disney on those two coasts. Uh, You had a lot of people within the organization of Disney saying, hey, we need to come out 
in with a strong voice against this don't say gay law that's what people wanted disney to do but disney's leadership kind of remained silent that became a big deal employees staged a walkout and then disney executives came out and said that they wanted to uh actually become activists with respect to this law and overturning this law or fighting this law so much so that i think the law just recently passed and they are now saying they're going to throw all their weight behind um that means money and everything they can and getting the law overturned uh very on the heels of that there were some executives that in internal meetings that were later published by people uh there were some executives that said they wanted to increase uh representation of the lbgtq community uh up you know up to saying some executives are saying we want like uh 50 of all new disney characters to be uh representative of the lgbtq community and so disney's faced a ton of well, I guess backlash and support, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, with that, guys, how, how have you seen this unfold and how, what's your thinking been about it? What my thinking has been about this issue really is what's the church, how do we as a church engage mm. the LGBTQ issue in mm. a way that honors the Imago Dei, but also honors what's true in scripture. Mm. Right. And so for me, a lot of times when it comes to political issues and I'm not really sure where to, like I need a clear view. What I will go to is the and campaign mm -hmm. uh, with Justin Gibney. We interviewed him, um, if not last year, the year before. Mm -hmm. And they just seem to have like a really clear view for me of how I hold both tensions together or hold both things in tension. And so you know, first it's to how do I look at what they're actually arguing about, which is the media calling the don't say gay bill. Right. Um, and so what you see is kind of this presentation of what this bill is and a presentation of mass approval that it is it is actually detrimental to right. our kids for this bill to be actually be in motion. Um, and so for me, the first step is, what is it actually talking about? And is this something that we as a church need to be engaged in really is parental rights in the education of their kids? Right. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about when it comes to this conversation about Disney. What role does a church have? What role do parents have in terms of having a say of what their kids get to watch on mm. TV, but also what happens to their children in the classroom. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, I, wa I read about a poll where they actually presented the language of the bill. So they went to people and said, hey, do you support the Don't mm -hmm. Say Gay bill? And everyone's like, no, it's terrible. Mm -hmm. And then they said, hey, do you support limiting sexual education to children under third grade or something? And everyone's like, yeah, we shouldn't do that. Or leaving it to the parents. It just mattered how they actually... Exactly. The phrasing, the yeah. words. Everyone was like, yeah, we shouldn't be talking about that with you know right. five-year-olds in a class mm -hmm. or whatever. And then they were like, well, that's what the bill actually says, right? Now, I don't know. I haven't read the bill personally, so mm -hmm. I'm not sure. But I think, I think... For me, you know, there's two kind of behind the scenes questions of what's going on. And that is in our current day and age, you now have media captured by sort of activism is what mm. I would say. You have very few news sources that are trying to read the news. You have a lot of news sources that are offering opinion. Mm. And now you have corporations that are not seeking to try to be actively neutral, whatever that might mean. Right. They are taking activist positions on stances. And so it's it's really difficult to kind of try to know how to exist in this world. Now, look, maybe that doesn't matter as much when it's like, you know, baloney saying we really want to dig wells in another country or something, right? But when the 
when the biggest media company in America, which right. is Disney, mm-hmm. who makes the most family-friendly, I'm doing air quotes around that, material, says they're going to now enter in to what should, which uh, a debated and contested political, you know, uh, idea, which is that we need to teach in a certain way about human sexuality, mm-hmm. about who, what human beings are, what, you know, et cetera. I think we start having to ask this question, like, is that a good idea? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's, it's, there's kind of two questions that are going behind the scenes for me. Is it good when companies start to engage this way in mm-hmm. things, large companies? And then is it good for media you know, the, those who are making media for children to engage in it this way. And I, I just think as Christians, it's hard to, to think about. I think in the Gospel Coalition, too, I think it was really good. Somebody wrote on it, I think it was Trevin Wax, and he just said, hey, if, if you were looking at Disney as like this bastion of like teaching our kids about a mm. Christian worldview before any of this, right. you know, um, LGBTQ inclusion stuff started coming out, then you, you're you already on the wrong foot anyways. I mean, yeah. Disney f- since the 80s has been teaching about expressive individualism and, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of things that we need to be having conversations with our kids about. And I thought that was really helpful too. Well, and that that's the interesting yeah. part of the conversation to me is more so on... A, a critique of how we consume media, yeah, um, mm-hmm. which oftentimes is so passive, and I think part of the reason we like a you know, for lack of better words, a sanitized rendition of whatever it is that we're consuming is because we I want to be able to kind of hands off my kids are watching the thing. I don't have to engage. I don't have to ask questions. Right. I don't have to answer the complexities. Um, and obviously, there's a there's a degree to which you like I say you want to. Um, be mindful, and I'm not saying that there shouldn't be like parental guidance and things of that nature in shows. But in whatever, I mean, if it's Lion King, like I mean, Mufasa dies, like that's a like death is like a real thing in yeah. Disney movies that are like classics all over. Or um, yeah, you might not be ready for your four year old to watch that. You know, yeah, it's like, like what you're gonna be smart. Yeah. yeah, you know, right? And it's like those those conversations arise. I think one of the one of the important things. No matter, no, rather it's this or music or books, mm-hmm. um, is what are the what are the kinds of conversations um, around those topics we're going to do? I remember I, there's a a woman that I used to go to church with who she was very adamant about any movie, any book that she was going to expose to her kids, she would read and watch first, mm-hmm. and then pro- be prepared for the conversations that she knew would mm-hmm. would be um, that would arise. And man, I just feel like that creates such an opportunity mm-hmm. for the parents, primarily, right? Exactly what we're lobbying for in that situation to create conversations. Like I just, I think there's a way to look at um, an opportunity. Obviously, like I say, you still need to use. We need to use wisdom, um, but I don't think. I mean, that's kind of the premise of this show. Like we don't have to be afraid of the things that's going on mm-hmm. in the culture, but there's a way that we can engage it and have those conversations with our kids, where we can teach humanity. We can teach them to see the Imago Dei. And while we hold to a particular biblical ethic uh, regarding these things, um, regardless of rather Disney makes the movie or don't, or they change this or don't, like they're going to go to school with kids who are asking these questions and experiencing Mm -hmm. these things. They're going to see their friend, you know, Johnny come to school with two dads or two, like that's just the world that we're living in. And so it's not a matter of if you're going to have the conversation, it's just a matter of Mm. when are you going to have the conversation Mm -hmm. and have you prepared ahead of time for the conversation. Right. 
I think what's hard about that too, if if I think about it, it's like I'm trying to think through what's the what's the problem? What have we lost? What are people afraid of? You know, as I think through it, I do think less about the content Disney's making. It's like, hey, just don't watch it anymore. Then that's great, you know. Um, and I know that's a loss for some people because Disney means a lot to the, to some people. I get that, and I'm not, you know. I think the bigger question for me maybe is more about this education that whether you're doing it actively or passively, what you are teaching kids is sexual identity is at the core of your identity. Sexual desire is at the core of your identity. And as Christians, we don't believe that. We believe it's a part of your identity, but we don't believe it's at the core of who you are. And what's really difficult is how do you have that conversation with a five-year-old? And I think some parents, that's all they're saying is like, I don't, you're going to teach my kids that this is at the core of their identity. And how am I supposed to do that? And so I do think, I, I just will say, now, on the other side, they're saying, no, we're not actually trying to do that and other things. So I get it, right? There's a debate to be had. But I think by calling a bill the don't say gay bill and whipping up this lather around it that's actually not honest, you can't have the real debate. It just becomes about whether you're a bigot or not. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... I think that actually really needs to be debated. Is it what is the best way to expose our children to these ideas? Is that the purview of the parent or is that the purview of the teacher in the public school? And at what age do you allow right. teachers to engage in a more independent way from from kids' parents? And I I think those are really important debates, you know. They're extremely important debates. Yeah. You know, at what age is it inappropriate for a child to be talking about those things, period? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, on one end of the spectrum, you have this dynamic of our children are becoming over-sexualized. Right. And we all know, like, the things that happen when sexuality of any kind is introduced into a child's life too soon. Right. But then what is the role of the parent, right? And so our choice, our ability to choose as parents um, who have a Christian worldview, what our kids are able to engage and be introduced to in the classroom, but then... Um, also knowing that at some point, really, the starting point isn't the classroom, but is the living room. And mm-hmm. that we're teaching our kids, like you said, to Marcus, to think critically about things that are going to come their way. Right. And so you, we are beyond uh, a point where these conversations are not going to make their way to our kids. So how are we going to strengthen our kids' minds to be able to point out, hey, that is something that goes against what I believe as a Christian whether that's something that's happening with one of their friends or something that's happening um, on a TV show they're watching because Disney isn't the only outlet of TV shows that is trying to indoctrinate. And, and what I, what I um, Adam Griffin, when he was on here talking about his book, this idea of indoctrination, this was interesting to me as a non-parent, um, that, we, that he says as Christians, sometimes we get weird about that word. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Either the world is going to teach your kid what to think or you're going to teach your kid what to think. And that there is this responsibility of, I'm going to strengthen my kid to live in a culture that may or may not agree with what we believe in, but they know how to think about it and what to believe when they're in that space. Yes, right. When I was a a youth pastor, that was my just constant message to parents is just like the power of the first voice. Mm. Like you you have the privilege and the opportunity to be the first voice that your kids hear about God, what sexuality, money, 
right? All, what you give the topic, right, of being that that first voice and influence that is explaining those things that it's not, you know, I think about the number of things that, you know, for a kid, it's like if your first time having that conversation is with a peer or whatever, and you're in the fourth grade, the fifth grade, the sixth grade, and just like how tumultuous that conversation could be. Mm. Yeah. And so just that's my big thing is I'm like, how do we prepare ourselves for the conversation? I think is is huge. I also just want to add a note about the other conversation that I know that this isn't as much about, but I feel a fatigue with how much I'm preached at by the world. And I know that partially what's happened is we, we're always being formed. I understand that. And I understand we're always being formed by the things we consume. And I get it. And now it's just so explicit. And I think part of it is that um, with the rise of the nuns among the younger generation, they, in the absence of religion, of you know the kind we're used to, they look for meaning in everything else, including what they consume, and it. Uh, and now you're seeing because companies, the it's about the bottom line, and marketing is. You know, some people will hate that I say this, but I think ultimately a tool of Satan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dun, kidding. Dun, dun. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But honestly, because <laughs> because these people know to exist, we need to market to these, you know, kids and people who are now growing up with an absence of ultimate meaning in their life. That means that everything we consume now is now just explicitly tied to some deep meaning. The perfect example. I remember the first time I felt this. I went into a Whole Foods which I love Whole Foods, and I just wanted to get a cup of coffee. And I remember like written on the wall by the coffee is like, you're saving the world. Buy this coffee and you will. And I'm like, I remember saying out loud, I just want to buy a cup of coffee, man. I'm not trying to save the world. I just want to buy a cup of coffee. And it's actually really irresponsible to tell some 20-year-old that by buying this coffee, you're saving the world. But that's what everybody who consumes anything is about. Nothing's just about like, can I have some wheat thins or can I have an Oreo? It's like, if when you buy Oreos, you are saving all the children from this area of the world. It's like, no, you're not. That's not true. But thank you for, you know, making me feel like my choice has ultimate meaning. And there's a sense in which Disney does that too. If you, re I really don't believe, and this is actually probably really cynical of me, but I don't believe for one second that Disney really cares about the LBGTQ agenda. I think they are doing what is necessary to make the bottom line work. And we have somehow tricked ourselves into believing that if I watch Disney, I'm saving LGBTQ kids. And if I'm XYZ. And I just think it's a joke. And I think it's sad. And when I watch it, I think it's absolutely the product of living in a meaningless world with no fundamental overarching beliefs. And when you live in it, because we are meaning makers, we will then look everywhere else in our lives to find meaning. And uh, I think this is a product of that. And I think it's something we're going to have to get really used to. Every company now is doing this. Every single company now is trying to make buying wheat thins a choice of life or death or something like that. Mm. And I'm fatigued by it, like I said, uh, but that's not going away. That's going to get more and more and more true. And it means that companies in the private sector is going to be stepping into that activism in, in, in a lot of different ways. And there's good that can come of that. I'm not saying there's not. There's good that can come of that. But there's also, it's also a sham in, at the same time. So, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry, I said a lot there. No, you didn't say a lot. Oreos that. do save the world, Adam. In a different way, <laughs> though. Through your taste buds, you know? But I, I think it's true when it terms in terms of us as believers having a critical ear to the things that we read and listen to and the motivations of the people that we're listening to. Right. And so that we can be honest and say that right. big corporations' motivation is money. Yeah. Um, that they're there for the bottom line. And in the same way that race was a really big and popular issue, this is what I would point it towards. When kind of the the past few years, I've seen a lot more commercials that feature people of color. Right. Yeah. Um, the businesses got on board with what um, different activists, not corporations who are activists, but right. people stepping up saying things need to change mm-hmm. because they knew that that's where the money was. That's right. Yep. And so, you know, with Disney, because Disney was doing things for the LGBT community before the situation, yes, yep. it wasn't mm-hmm. like they weren't involved, yeah. um, but they don't want to lose money. Yeah. And so that their efforts are motivated by money. And as we listen to different people, whoever we're getting our information from, that we realize that. Yeah. Um, because I think the, one of the hard points for us as believers is where can I get good information from in terms of how I should think about things that are happening and how I form my opinions. Mm. And to be critical thinkers, we've got to realize that some people are not motivated by the things they say they're motivated by. That's good. Moving on to our third and final conversation for today. Um, We're going to be talking about the uh, nomination and confirmation of Ketanji Brown Jackson in the Supreme Court. Uh, Specifically, though, a a situation that popped off on Twitter. Um, Jackie Hill Perry actually posted a picture of... Miss Jackson and her daughter, and it was basically a picture of her daughter sitting behind her um, and was looking at her at a smile, you know, was was proud and just, you know, yeah, supporting her mom in the whole ordeal. And literally, like, Jackie O'Perry posted the picture, and the caption was mood. And immediately, there just became this backlash um, from people, followers who were saying, how could you you know, support this nomination, like, you know, as a believer, there's so many things that are problematic about this for the Christian culture, like you of all people, like, I would expect that you would know better, like, I can't believe that you would endorse such a thing, to which eventually she responded, um, I really don't owe anyone but God and my spouse an explanation, but I'll offer you one anyway. Uh, This picture is beautiful, a daughter proud, her mother accomplished. It made me think of my girl's and the smile I hope to give them one day. Take that and do with it as you please. And even after that, many continued to... Critique. Critique, yeah, to say the least. Uh, but uh, yeah, very very interesting. I know I have thoughts, but what, what do you guys... Anybody anybody see that when it was happening? I saw it. People are just mean. The yeah. devil lives in the internet. <laughs> yeah. That's my thought. Circle mm. back. Russian bots is my third, first thought. <laughs> but besides Which is that... money and capitalism. I'm just... <laughs> I'm also fatigued by, dude, first of all, life's way too short to keep giving pain into this world, especially when our Savior talks about bringing peace and being people of peace. Yeah. And then second of all, it's like, are we really going to eat our own? Like, come on, guys. Like, honestly, like that the first thing you're going to do is not seek to understand, which is what Jesus would call you to do. The first thing you're not, you're you're not going to ask a question. You're not going to maybe just not say anything. But instead, you're going to eat your own. It's a, it's a, it, that's actually more fatiguing than the corporation thing to me. <laughs> but I, uh, I really think that everyone should just get off social media as quickly as possible. That's my conclusion. 
just get off of it. Don't be on it anymore. Mm. That's it. Don't follow us on Instagram. (laughs) Don't follow us. (laughs) I think what is striking to me outside of just people, honestly, just being really mean, um, because it was a beautiful picture, is people's inability to see the beauty in the picture. Yes. That's a good point, Elizabeth. Like it just is, we have come to a point where we don't see people's humanity and that we immediately attach to them the issue you know, and so as you were, I watched some of the hearings and just there was a clear effort to characterize Judge Brown um, as a mm-hmm. specific kind of person. And that feeds into a greater like polarity that we have in terms of issues um, and not being able to exist in both more than one thing can be true at the same time. I can disagree with somebody's policies and believe that her relationship with her daughter is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. Like we we've lost the sensibility for that for like characters to be complex. Like people, are just, like it's static. You're you're one thing. I mean, and that goes back to the conversations we've kind of had over our last topics. Of, uh, I mean, I think that's kind of the thread that puts this all together of how much we want to just define a person to the lowest com like, or mm-hmm. not to the lowest common denominator, but like to the most peripheral. Um, parts of them and there's like man there's just a reality that there's more to people and there used to just be this ability I love G.K. Chesterton and I remember one of the most funniest things like I found out about like just his career in his life like when you read his writings and the way he critiques other people like he's like going at him like you would think like like man like does he have friends like he's mm-hmm. just like cutthroat but it was like you read his biography and it was like even the people that he was like writing against and critiquing their thought like they loved him like they wanted to go and have drinks with him and like sit with him mm. because while they vehemently opposed each other's thoughts mm. like they respected each other as people and as scholars and as thinkers and as people who were trying to work towards truth even if they were going in the wrong direction right um and he was winsome because of the way he loved people and it's like we just don't have that like it's either i agree with you or I want nothing to do with you. And like, there's no, no room for nuance. Um, and part of it is to your earlier point, uh, Chelsea, like we were so quick to respond that we don't take the time to stop and think like, why would she post this? Why would someone do that? Like what other, rem- like just take a little bit of time to process before we're like, Nope, I have a thought here. It is world. <laughs> and just mm-hmm. Twitter fingers be crazy. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I just, I wish we could, I wish we could get back to that that kind of sensibility and, and give, like you say, especially with our own, like a level of grace where like, man, let me, man, if there's, there's any commonality, like in unity in the spirit, like, can we try to keep peace mm-hmm. rather than being so quick to, to tear apart? Right. And it's like, what I get this sense from people who disagreed is that the world was about to end yeah. if she gets confirmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this posture, again, this is, we've all been talking about this, that it's, we are against them, they are our enemy, and we need to be in this fighting stance. And it's true that we as Christians need to be aware and alert as we walk through the world, but people are human and they're made in the image of God. And our inability to see that and affirm that time and time again of how it feeds into really this greater narrative of, I think Brian Leritz posted something in response to what people's response to Jackie was. He was like, if I wasn't a Christian and this is what I saw of Christianity, I wouldn't want to be a part of y'all. Right. Mm. And it just is like that if we don't like it, you don't have to say something. Right. You can just pass it. Yeah. Um, but the inability for that to happen is saddening. I think you, I mean, not to harp back on the Disney thing, you could say the same about Christian's 
wanting to boycott something or to like find um, such ill things to say about a company or a policy is that there is a loss of um, that there are people behind those things. And Mm -hmm. that on the one side of of Christians having biblical standing to say and believe certain things, you are also the fears that you're responding out of. And so it's like holding to a righteousness, but also allowing the world that doesn't know God, which is so many of these people, so many of these things that we're talking about, are just lost people. And it's like, how are you approaching them in a way that is inviting and true and honoring to the way Jesus approached people versus approaching them with boycotts mm-hmm. and harsh words. And then, and then, yeah, to your point, Adam, it's like attacking our own is then it's like, mm-hmm. what, 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 what are we doing? If, yeah. if we tear each other apart, like divided, we don't stand. What is it? Yeah. I think we've got to ask these deeper. That's really good, Chelsea. There's people on the other side mm-hmm. of this and to think about seasoning your words with salt that meaning it it keeps and preserves peace and brings flourishing. That's what we should be thinking of. But I think we ask, we also have to ask the deeper question. And I don't. I I'm too often dismissive of social media. I think there's a more nuanced question to ask, which is, what is it good for? Hmm. And absolutely. I, no, well, no, I, <laughs> that it would have been great. <laughs> that would have been great. But I do wonder if the medium is not. It's not conducive for nuanced thought. The medium is, mm-hmm. Twitter especially, is conducive to quick sound bites that are immediate. Uh, here it is, here it is, here it is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think so many of us, and maybe we're not on it. You know, that's the other question to ask is like, there's a whole lot of people on Twitter who are responding to those things. And I can honestly tell you, I don't know a single one of them. I don't, I don't, like none of, mm-hmm. we have a big church none of those people are in our church. So that sort of starts to beg the question of like, who is it and who is it really? And these kind of things. And so it's like by yelling at our, I'm joking, but by like talking out loud about this to our listeners, it's like they, I doubt many of them are on there doing this either. And so the question starts to become maybe what we can do if we're thinking about, so what's our response? Maybe the response is to think deeply about what those mediums are for. Mm. Think about how we can be voices that offer flourishing. Mm. And maybe we should take the those those bigger conversations to a medium that's more conducive to understanding and agreement and moving the ball forward. And that's probably not going to be tweeting back at somebody who posts a picture and mm-hmm. says, this is really pretty. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there are really complex issues that are at hand, even when you think about the confirmation of Judge Brown um, For sure. And you just can't get to that complexity with a tweet. Mm-mm. And to be able to sit in this, because the task at hand um, is how do we as believers speak truthfully right. when we see something that's, hey, I don't agree with this. Right. Mm-hmm. And the moments in which we need to do that and how we do that while honoring the person mm-hmm. and honoring the truth, which actually is really hard. Yeah. I think it's easier for us to to demonize and to dehumanize and just to cast people aside instead of caring for them, which, again, to the whole Disney issue, um, or even will, again, while we're yeah. talking about today, is mm-hmm. how do I care for someone? Yep. Um, because we got to be honest, as a church, we haven't always cared well with the LGBTQ That's issue. That's right. right. But just because we haven't cared well doesn't mean we don't need to step into the arena. But how do we do so and hold both at the same time? And again, that happens a lot more in conversations or longer pieces right. that require thought and processing and not an immediate reaction 
Yeah, it, they're just limitations of the platform. But yeah. then also, how can we use it to right. model to people, this is how I do respond in a, an appropriate way. Yeah, and I think to your point, Chelsea, I, I always go back to Matthew 9.36 of mm. when we're dealing with, when we look out in the world, rather it's at media, rather it's um, just as you're going by the way or institutions, um, right? Like they're the, that's the crowds, right? Yeah. And I think about like, how did how did Jesus see and process the crowds and it's like with all that we kind of see like a lot of times we look at at the crowd and it's like enemy Mm. wicked Mm. must be stopped we gotta win um and it's like here like jesus looks at at the crowd and it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd like they they're not our our enemy to be defeated they are fellow human beings in need of rescue yeah and if we if we are looking out in the world in the way we're addressing that, like, yes, like it is like to your point before, like it's sad when we see some of these things and that ought to move our heart to compassion mm. and not, you know, balled our fists, you know, girded to fight. Um, and I just think I think we've just been fighting for yeah. so long. And it's like, man, let's open our hands and figure out how do we how do we come alongside our fellow brothers and sisters? I don't remember where I heard this, um, but I read it in a book and the person talked about approaching things with a questioning mindset, not a critical mindset. And I've always hung on to that. And it's difficult because it's easy to feel defensive and it's easy to react out of fear. And I think you can make an argument that there's people on both sides of all of these topics we've talked about today that are just responding out of their fears. Mm. And so it's a question of like, is this a good fear or is this a fear that like, is this a fear that is God calling me closer to him? Or is this a fear that is unwarranted, you know? And I think if you if you can slow down and listen to people and try to like navigate those fears, I think you can be more successful and less critical. As we look at just all the issues we talked about today, whether it is what happened with Will Smith and the reaction people had to his comments, including Denzel Washington, we look at what's happening with Disney, or we look at what happened with the Judge Brown um, confirmation and specifically the comments to Jackie Hill Perry's post is this question of how do we respond to the things that are happening in a way that makes us pause, in a way that makes us be reflective, in a way that makes us remember that these are people whom our God created and has compassion on and that we are called to share the good news of the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not called to think critically and to stand for the things that we believe in, but that our witness in the public arena will consistently be one that can be characterized as people who stand for love and truth, and that our love can be seen of how we treat other people made in the image of God. Thank you for listening to Culture Matters. This podcast is made possible because of a team of people behind the scenes. Chris Starrett, Chelsea Conway, Mandy Page, and Brad Weigel. We couldn't do it without them. If you're a follower of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can message us on social. You can also support us on our patron page, Check show notes for more information. See y'all next time.